Hey, Merry Christmas, everybody. It's great to see you. Thanks for making uh, Central a part of your uh, Christmas season, your Christmas Eve. We're so glad you're here. Uh, if you're brand new, don't know who I am, my name's Matt, and uh, the pastor here at Central. Really glad to have you with us for these moments tonight. Um, before my wife and I moved to Chilliwack, we lived in a sketchy part of East Vancouver. And when I say sketchy part, I mean like if we could look out the front window and see illegal activity happening out the front. And if we walked to the back and looked out into the back alley, we could see illegal activity happening there. Just a quaint neighborhood, you know. And, uh, but when we moved from, from that place in East Vancouver, we moved to the Garrison neighborhood of Chilliwack which was a little bit of a shock to our systems. So we, our, our oldest was a little baby at the time, and we'd walk down the sidewalk pushing the stroller. The craziest thing happened. People looked us in the eyes, you know? And we were a little bit uh, unnerved by it. That was new. And not only that, they would say hello, right? And it was like, whoa, whoa, what are you, what are you trying to do? You know, we were a little shocked by that. And being in Garrison, right, with, people would just stop us on the sidewalk, give us freshly baked muffins. That, that's Garrison, okay? Okay, not quite that far, but it really felt like we had just moved into Pleasantville, especially after having lived in East Vancouver. But here's the thing, we've been there for eight years now, and, and there's this thing about the familiar, right, that that, that kind of what, what, what seemed so amazing, what seemed so different so unique at first, you kind of just get used to eventually, right? Familiarity can make things lose their impact. And so here we are, another Christmas, and maybe, maybe you've stopped noticing why Jesus came at Christmas. Or perhaps you're new to this whole church thing, Jesus thing, Christianity thing, someone's dragged you here and you relented and <laughs> you've come and we're just thankful you're here, but maybe you've never considered or noticed why Jesus came at Christmas, never thought about or heard about those things. Well, I want us to dwell on that idea for just a few minutes this afternoon, why Jesus came at Christmas. The verse of Scripture I'm going to read for you is what the great reformer Martin Luther in the 16th century referred to as a little Bible. There were these single verses in Scripture that kind of within the single verse contained the theme of the whole Bible. And this verse, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, is one of those. The Apostle Paul wrote to a young protege pastor of his named Timothy in the city of Ephesus, and he wrote this, "'The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance.'" And I, I did some study on what, what that meant in the original language, what was being said here, and it turns out what it means is that what he's about to say is trustworthy and worthy of full acceptance, okay? Very deep stuff. I'm a deep guy. And so it goes on, and he says, here, here's what's deserving of full acceptance and trustworthy, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That right there is a little Bible. See, this whole Bible is contained in that verse, Jesus came on a rescue mission at Christmas, and he came to save sinners. That's the essence. And then he goes on to say about sinners, of whom I am, Paul is saying, the foremost, the chief of all sinners. He goes on to say, but I received mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. 
Now, in our context, in our day, what this verse in the Bible is saying actually presses a couple conceptions we have of the world and about life. And so let's trust that the Bible's being accurate here for a minute. And if that's true, then there's a couple misconceptions that we tend to believe that the Bible doesn't want us to. Here's one of them. It's the idea that I'm good. It's all good. If there's a God... He loves me just the way I am, and I can do what I want. He's like a cosmic grandpa that just wants me to be happy. That is, a, there's a common sentiment, right, in our, in, our, in our context today, but the Bible's pressing that and saying, no, wait. At Christmas, Jesus came to save sinners as if we have a need, as if we need rescuing. The other misconception that the Bible wants to press here is kind of the opposite view of, I'm hopeless. If there's a God, he's just angry at me. He's angry angry about the choices I've made, the actions, the thoughts I have. He's angry with me. If there's a God, he's angry with me. And and, and this this presses that. And so I want to just spend a, a couple minutes on each of those thoughts, the first one being, I'm good. It's all good. If there's a God, he loves me just the way I am. Does I have no needs. He just wants me to be happy doing me. Again, this verse tells us, well, wait a minute. Jesus came at Christmas to save sinners as if we're people who have that need. See, what's inferred is that all is not well. We are not simply okay. That God could not simply leave us in our current state, but we actually need rescue. I don't know if you noticed on the, on the news the other day, the, the windstorm that kind of came through here a few days ago. Did you notice what happened in White Rock? <laughs> so there was, there was a dude who uh, we thought, you know, this crazy storm, I'm just going to walk out to the end of the pier. And so that's what he was doing. He walked out to the end of the pier, but the storm, the wind took out the middle of the pier. And so there he was stuck at the end and the Coast Guard helicopter needed to come and lift him from the end of the pier and get him back on the shore. That is a little bit of a picture of what Paul's trying to press against here, this idea of it's all fine and I can just walk to the end of this pier in in the middle of life. Meanwhile, there's a storm brewing and the reality is we've been cut off part way and we we need saving. We cannot get back on our own. That's the the picture that Paul is painting here. Uh, Many years ago, there was a man named Edwin Rushworth who had been a skeptic of the Christian faith his whole life but resolved late in his life, I'm not sure why, but I've just come across the story. Later in life, he decided to read the Bible, a book he had despised his whole life. He decided, I'm going to read this thing for an hour a day. So that's what he began to do. And upon reading it the first day, he said to his wife, if this book is right, then we're all wrong. At the end of the following week, he said to her, if this book is right then we're all lost. He went on reading more intently than ever and a few nights later said to his wife, if this book is right, we may be saved. And they were. The Rushworths left all the ifs behind and put their faith in Jesus. See, the Bible confronts our postmodern Western 21st century views and shows us we have a need. We need rescue. And that at Christmas, Jesus came to save us. 
The saying is trustworthy, deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And he goes on to say, of whom I am the foremost, but I received mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. What Paul is saying is that I know that some of you think you're so terrible that Jesus could never save you. Oh, oh, I get it. For the religious folk, for the church folk, for those that have cleaned up their rack and look neat and tidy, I get it. Yeah, Jesus saves for you. Fantastic. But you don't know me. You don't know my heart. You don't know what I've done. And the Apostle Paul comes along and says, no, wait. Jesus came at Christmas to save sinners of whom I'm the foremost. Paul's saying, I don't know a bigger sinner than me. And Jesus saved me. So let my life be an example to you Jesus doesn't withhold from you because of what you've done. Jesus embraces you because of what he has done. See, he says, Jesus saved me, the worst of sinners, so that you'd know he came to save you too. There was, uh, during the, um, after the Reformation in the Puritan kind of history of the church, there was a British um, Puritan preacher named Richard Baxter. And of John 3.16, where it says, whosoever believes in me shall have eternal life, he thought about that word a lot and, and became really, really grateful for that word, whosoever. He, he wrote, I thank God for that word, whosoever, because if God had said there was mercy for Richard Baxter, I am so vile a sinner that I would have thought he meant some other Richard Baxter. But when he says, whosoever, I know that that includes me, the worst of all Richard Baxters. Richard Baxter came to understand the gospel. The Apostle Paul came to understand it too. See, Jesus wants to put that little voice in our heads that says, not me, I'm too rotten, I've gone too far. He wants to put that to rest. Paul's amazed at his conversion because he knew himself to be so bad which makes the love of Jesus so good. And it's not just Paul. It's not just Richard Baxter. I stand here and I sincerely believe that if the grace of Jesus can save me, it most certainly can save you. I'm not the preacher. I'm not the pastor here at Central because I'm such a good guy. I'm the pastor here because the grace of the Lord Jesus has encountered my life so profoundly that I find great joy in telling others about his grace. It's all him. It's all his glory. It's all gratitude. So I don't know about you, but I start to well up in, with great gratitude to Christ at this time of year. See, I realize that I run the risk of offending you here with this, these few minutes I have with you on Christmas Eve by telling you that you're a sinner who needs saving. I, I, I get that. But listen, I'm going on vacation for two weeks after this, so I'm good with it. I'm fine. But beyond that, actually, I'd like to actually put that same truth another way. Christmas is proof that Jesus loves you so much, he was glad to come to your aid. Christmas is proof that he loves you so much that he was glad to come to your aid. And that fills us with gratitude. And so that's why Paul says what he says next in our text, verse 17, to the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor 
and glory forever and ever. Amen. See, Paul is just so grateful for that saving work of Jesus that he overflows with praise and adoration of the eternal glorious King Jesus who came in helpless estate at Christmas. Kids in the room, kids, I want you to, I want you to just look at me for a second here. Kids, what are your thoughts on Santa Claus? Yeah, yeah. Santa Claus brings presents. I'm hearing a lot of belief here. I'm, I'm hearing a few naysayers in the room, a couple Scrooges, if you will. But G.K. Chesterton, this 19th and 20th century uh, British philosopher, really thoughtful guy, was actually a big inspiration to C.S. Lewis, who you may know more than G.K. But G.K. and I believe in Santa Claus. And I'm going to quote his words here. He wrote, What has happened to me has been the very reverse of what appears to be the experience of most of my friends. Instead of dwindling to a point, Santa Claus has grown larger and larger in my life until he fills almost the whole of it. It happened in this way. As a child, I, faced, I was faced with a phenomenon requiring explanation. I hung up at the end of my bed an empty stocking which in the morning became a full stocking. I had done nothing to produce the things that filled it. I had not worked for them or made them or helped to make them. I had not even been good, far from it. And the explanation was that a certain being whom people called Santa Claus was benevolently disposed toward me. What we believed was that a certain benevolent agency did give us those toys for nothing. And as I say, I still believe it. I have merely extended the idea. See, then I only wondered who put the toys in the stocking. Now I wonder who put the stocking by the bed and the bed in the room and the room in the house and the house on the planet and the great planet in the void. Okay, he's, become, he's a real philosopher, you can tell. Yeah, but who put the stocking in the void? <laughs> See, only, once I only thanked Santa Claus for a few dollars and crackers, now I thank him for stars and street faces and wine, amen, and the great sea. See, once I thought it delightful and astonishing to find a present so big that it only went halfway into the stocking. Now I am delighted and astonished every morning to find a present so big that it takes two stockings to hold it and then leaves a great deal outside. It is the large and preposterous present of myself, as to the origin of which I can offer no suggestion except that Santa Claus gave it to me in a fit of peculiarly fantastic goodwill. See, I believe at Christmas that in a fit of peculiarly fantastic goodwill, Jesus came to save sinners. Familiarity can make things lose their impact. My hope and my prayer this Christmas for you is that Jesus coming to rescue us will never fade, will never diminish, but I invite you rather to let Jesus grow larger and larger in your life until he fills the whole of it. Receive him.
Embrace Him. Adore Him. Merry Christmas. Let's pray. Jesus, I, I thank you. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. This is your creation. And you went from reigning and ruling on your throne in the heavens to a dirty, stable manger so we could get the rescue that we need. Far from labeling us sinners and leaving us in that state, you came to us on a rescue mission to show how much you love us. There's hope in you, peace in you, love and light in you, and we say thank you, Jesus. And just moments from now, we're going to light candles in this room because you came at Christmas and were declared to be the light of the world. Thank you, Jesus, for shining your light into ours this Christmas. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.